Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of B2B Made Simple. Joining me here on the show, I have Mark Fairhurst, and he is the VP of Marketing at Mercatus. Mark, welcome Hi. to the show. Hey, Sam. It's really good to uh, really good to be talking to you today. Yeah, you know, uh, for those listening, I was talking to Mark before we we hopped in and started recording. And it's funny, he lives, what, five minutes from some family of mine in, in Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pick, what are the chances? Pick, yeah, Pickering. Pickering. It's on, on the uh, outskirts of Toronto. It's mm-hmm. a suburb, but it's it's rare that you've run into someone, especially <laughs> someone from New York who knows where Pickering, uh, yeah. Ontario is. Very odd. Uh, met yeah. on LinkedIn, decided to do a podcast together, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Small world. <laughs> yeah, small world. Um, so to kick us off, I always like to do like a fun little question. Um, sure. If you had to choose between Coke and Pepsi, what would you choose? Coke. Coke? Is it because yeah. of the flavor or because you're a marketer? <laughs> I grew up on it. Okay. <laughs> there never, we go. Never Pepsi Easy guy. Never, never a Pepsi guy. We used to go camping up north and uh, we went with, with uh, grandparents and my grandmother always said, did you, did you bring in the case of Coke? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, if I had to choose, I would be team Coke as well. So awesome. we're on, we're on the same team there. Well, awesome, Mark. Um, you know, this podcast doesn't really have too much of a theme. Moreover, we're just going to start riffing off, you know, some things in marketing that we had discussed previously, like, Hey, what yeah. are your thoughts on this? And hopefully this will be, well, not hopefully I already know this is going to be valuable, valuable for the listeners, Um, so the first question I have, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts is should marketing be all about the numbers? And if no, then, then why? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's probably the age old question that a lot of, uh, marketing leaders have to contend with, uh, especially when you have, um, a CFO or a director of finance, who's always watching the numbers very closely and, uh, I've been in organization where organizations where the the dollar spend has been very significant uh, in terms of trying to get inbound lead activity, and then I've been in smaller organizations where um, marketing is much more strategic with its spend. I think when it comes to reporting return on dollar spend and what you get, don't focus on the vanity metric. Focus on the inbound revenue metric. Mm-hmm. Is at the end of the day, marketing is generating the business pipeline. Uh, that's the key metric that you've got to be looking that's at. That's what matters, right? Exactly. At the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell my team. It's sure you can you can have 30, 40 accounts uh, as your objective, but at the end of, it, it all depends on the mix. Mm-hmm. You can go, you can get a few smaller ones. And again, we're we're enterprise uh, sales. Or you can get a few whales and it just offsets. You got your revenue target. That's what you need to you need to hit. Yeah. Why do you think that some of these larger enterprises, I know you brought up the example that some of the smaller startups don't spend as much and they're more strategic with their cash. And then you have these enterprises bleeding cash, essentially. Right. Why do yeah. you think that's the case? I think old habits die hard is one, mm-hmm. one thing. Um, I also think it. You know, how much latitude is marketing given within the organization? 
Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have the support of a strong um, marketing-focused CEO Mm -hmm. and understands the value of of marketing. Um, Nothing worse than having uh, to answer multiple uh, internal business leaders who think they can all do marketing better than you and, <laughs> and, spend, and, and spend money uh, more effectively than you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, marketing is viewed as a cost center uh, in a lot of organizations. Uh, it is first and foremost, the energy in, in, in the machine that really gets the pipeline going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this age old discussion, is it sales or marketing that brings in, uh, especially in a, in a startup, the, uh, the business, uh, mm-hmm. the, the new clients. My view is uh, you need to have both. You need to have both. It's great to close those first few accounts, uh, but in order to understand if there's true product market fit, you need a strong marketing engine with uh, the right research and insights reporting back to the rest of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's not either or, it's both. What would you consider a smart, like a strong marketing engine? What does that look like to you? Yeah, it's one that's brand focused. Uh, one that also creates demand. Uh, you need to provo- have a, a content engine as part mm-hmm. of it. Uh, it'd be great if you can have your own dedicated creative because the content requires creative to go out in tandem. It's, it's, you can get bottlenecked either on the writing, the research, or the creative. It's mm-hmm. better to have it all working together jointly. Uh, and also reporting. You need to have a good reporting uh, cadence to your, to your operations. Mm-hmm. But as I said earlier, it's, it's reporting on how you're influencing pipeline, not how many website visitors are you getting. Because uh, the website clicks. visitors look really good. Oh, but right. at the end yeah. of the day, it's a van- it can really turn into a vanity metric. Yes, you can get some really good indicators from that, but... Yeah a website vanity metric and many others likes on LinkedIn, company page followers, shout outs. I mean, all of that, is it really turning into revenue? And that's what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, you can, how many leads did we get today? You want leads? I can go rent you a list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, but it's, it's the age old question of uh, quantity over quality. Mm -hmm. I've always advocated for quality. Mm -hmm. And do you feel that that has really helped your marketing move forward going for quality? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to understand where the market is, at least the market that, that you're serving. Uh, hard part is where do you find them? Especially in a vertical, the vertical that I'm, I'm currently selling into. Uh, they're not, uh, they're not the most uh, technology uh, focused. A lot of you know, they're very traditional uh, clientele. Uh, you know they're online somewhere, uh, but you have to experiment to find out where they are and also understand what content is going to get them to convert mm-hmm. uh, and interact with you in a digital way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring up like your buyers a little bit more traditional. I heard this story. I think it was actually shared on this podcast somewhere in the past six months to a year. Mm-hmm. And um, my guest said a friend of his was doing some marketing for they were, they were selling a product into like the dentist industry or the dental mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. And again, this is more of a traditional buyer. They don't spend a lot of time online. I guess this is the stuff they found. And one of their best converting tactics was to put their content in a dental magazine. Yeah. 
a hard copy dental magazine. And they said, this is where their buyers are consuming their content. And this is where they're learning about their brand. I thought it was absolutely one genius because you wouldn't really think that would be the last place I would ever think. But apparently they were talking to their buyers. They were talking to their customers and found out, oh, you know what? We should explore this area. And it turned into like one of their best channels. It's wild. That's, you know, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's the same in our vertical Uh, trade. We do a pretty regular investment in in trade media. Mm -hmm. Uh, You wouldn't think that that would be popular these days, but uh, in our vertical and it's grocery retail, uh, traditional, uh, you walk into a retailer's head office or even into store locations, you go in the back office, there's a, you know, you got to look what's on the coffee table. Mm -hmm. And I make a point of that of seeing what, what media are they consuming? And a lot of it's the traditional print. Mm-hmm. Uh, in tandem with the advertisement or the keeping the logo present, I think it's also valuable to provide insightful content, not necessarily salesy. I mean, I, I tend to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. It's really about, uh, I use the acronym FIPO, F-I-P-O. It's got to be fact-based. Uh, it's got to be insightful. Um, I think your content also has to be somewhat um, predictive. Mm-hmm. Uh, provide them some prerequisites as to where the, the industry is going. Uh, and lastly, objective. I don't, uh, if your content, if your, if your insights come across as self-serving, uh, it's going to lose credibility. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, I, and if you put that kind of content into a, a trade mag or even on a digital uh, version of it, uh, you'll find that you'll get the inbound traffic that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And Examples that come to mind are traditional uh, LinkedIn company profiles or pages. And all that is posted on there is this selfish PR. uh, Look at the money we raise. Look at this. Look at this. And it delivers no value. And they wonder why they're getting two likes, one comment, and it's like the marketing manager or something. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It it doesn't connect with the buyer at all. Exactly. Yeah. We, um, and I've always, I've always done this, Michael. We've, all, we've invested a lot in, in doing research uh, on behalf of the clients that uh, we aim to serve. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it, it really does work well as an inbound um, conversion tactic. And, uh, and if I had to choose between doing an event, a trade show booth, the old style, you know, press to flesh, and, uh, you know, pre- at least in the pre-COVID days, uh, Nowadays, it, it's, it's about having that steady drumbeat of insights and, and uh, strategic guidance mm-hmm. throughout the course of the year. And you'll find that your clientele will reach out to you. Still go to the events, but you don't have to do the expensive trade show booth piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll set up, they'll ask you uh, for meetings, which is a nice, a nice turn of, uh, of events. That's winning right there. <laughs> that's, that's winning. Absolutely. Um, you know, what we're talking about kind of rolls into like the traditional philosophy of personas and thinking mm-hmm. I sell into this market, uh, to this age group, to this gender, to this, you know, dot, dot, dot. Right. And I think what you've realized is that these personas and this philosophy is not one size fits all. Oh no. No. And why do you think <clears throat> that is? I, I, we kind of touched on it, but I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I think, um, you have to be mindful of a few things. I think as marketers, because either you know, in the past you've been one to many, 
uh, or you know maybe now you're shifting to a one to few or even a one to one. You want it helps to rationalize your world to put your target market into these boxes. Um, those those boxes though tend not to be completely accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, when you talk to to uh, prospects that uh, are in your space, they, they all have varying degrees of, of motivations: personal, uh, professional, uh, and in uh, business. And having a good sense as to what all of those dynamics are at the at least at the one to few or one to one level, uh, that's where you should invest your time. It's segmentation is is, is great. Uh, but you have to get segmentation plus personalization. Mm -hmm. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking just, you know, adding someone's first name to an email mm -hmm. is really understanding you know, what their predilections are, what are their interests. Um, and this, and this kind of content, this insight goes into uh, an account plan mm -hmm. that uh, needs to be developed uh, at, at the base before you do any engagement or any targeting of an account for engagement. So you're you saying... Are you saying like your marketing and your story needs to speak to them in such a way? I'm just getting clarification here. Yes. Um, to basically spell out to them and like you understand where they want to be professionally, personally, or in business. And then your product needs to bridge that gap is basically what you're saying. Correct. Or your messaging, your, the me your the product message. hopefully <laughs> your product yes. hopefully bridges that gap or you're not gonna have product market fit, but you're saying the message, the story. The message, the message, right. And then tailor your narrative. You have every every organization should have a base messaging template deck um, or framework. But within that framework, tailor it to the companies that you're targeting and the individuals within those companies. Would you consider um, starting with positioning first or your narrative first? Uh, positioning. Really. Positioning. So you would go positioning, narrative, messaging? Is that how Absolutely. you would? Absolutely. Really? Okay. Yeah. Po yeah. Positioning um, requires you to understand what is truly unique about your business. Mm -hmm. And from your uniqueness, from your product market fit, understand what your narrative is to the market. How do you convey that uh, uniqueness to your target market? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. I've heard it. I. I think I've heard it both ways, um, but yeah, that I, I love how you laid that out for sure. Um, so we touched on content. Mm -hmm. What would you consider valuable content? Because we talked about the selfish PR that, that companies are posting. They Maybe they're putting out a podcast that all does is promote what they do and they wonder why they're getting four listeners a week. Yeah. Um, in your words, what is valuable content? It's uh, something that provides insight and value back to the clientele. Uh, and then, and that that value again is it could be business, professional, or personal. Uh, individuals who want to advance their career take your content within their organization, elevates it. Here's some new ideas. Here's a framework for how uh, I think we should approach this particular problem. Here's a solution that we may want to explore. Don't um, don't don't have your prospects do all the labor. Right. Do the work for them and Move make it simple. Closer to that finish line, because by the time they reach out to you, they could be 80% of the way done when they're talking to sales. Like you're Absolutely. the company they want to work with and you just have to detail out the final 20%. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this. You know, <clears throat> the average B2B enterprise sale, eight to 10 to 12 touch points in some, some capacity. But along that journey, give them the content that's going to help them recognize that you're the authority in this space. I should be having a conversation with you because you've helped me learn uh, in the last few weeks, months, what have you. And most, most enterprise sales cycles you know, tend to be, I think, what is the average, about eight to 10 months? Probably, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah that's enough time to build uh, a relationship in a, in a digital uh, digital way with your with your prospects do you guys do you guys gate any of your content uh great question i mean i I remember having this debate with uh, a former colleague of mine um, uh, a director of demand uh, generation who was all uh, you know held accountable for the amount of (laughs) gated contacts that they would get um the answer i hate to i hate to be offensive the answer is is no and yes Mm -hmm. so we consider there are some big rock uh, content uh, pieces that we have throughout the year, large and, and it requires. And it's a large investment for us. Uh, we're not a huge company, but uh, we, we spend our our marketing dollars uh, in a smart way. Uh, we provide both. We provide insightful blog content. We do our own podcast, uh, and we also do uh, some gated content. But we we're very careful in in not providing, not not stopping. Uh, recipients from understanding what the value is within that content, that mm-hmm. gated piece. You know, we give them a teaser saying, if you want more, uh, click here. Yeah. But it, and it's a very limited gate. It, but mm-hmm. we do it, we do it not because uh, we want to get thousands and thousands of email addresses. We do it more so to understand what really what's resonating with the with the target market that we're that we're targeting. Is it more of a bottom of funnel tactic or a like yeah. top, top, top of funnel? Like they I, don't even matter, but you're looking for the insights. Yeah, I think it's more of a mofu to mofu okay. well, to bottom of funnel. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned you guys have a podcast. Obviously, yeah. that's what we're doing here. Uh, what are some things that have, what are some key indicators that you've seen kind of pop up over the time that you guys have started? Are you guys getting you know, in sales calls or your buyers saying, Hey, this is really interesting. Uh, you know, there might be some people on the fence about podcasting or they might be a little discouraged. I'd be curious to hear what's going on for you guys. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's been a, an interesting journey. We've been doing our corporate podcast, uh, maybe about three years, three and a half mm-hmm. years now started off as audio only. And then, uh, a year ago, uh, a year and a half ago, we switched to video as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it is, um, it's interesting. We don't gate it. We don't really have a sense as to who specifically is, is watching or engaging with it. I mean, we can see in aggregate what the numbers are. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, when you don't do an episode and you, and you, and you hear clients and you hear prospects say, Hey, I really love your podcast. When you guys doing another one. Uh, a good that's, indicator. That, that's a good indicator. Yeah. And again, it's, again, it's not about, thousands and thousands you know it's about the qualified few the quality over the quantity like you mentioned exactly. in the beginning. exactly and we you know to be honest we were surprised i mean i, I do it with my my partner in crime uh, the ceo of the business and uh we were we were truly surprised at the spectrum of of qualified 
account uh, that were that were listening to the podcast. It was yeah. uh, and senior level people too. Do you ask, so? Do you ask uh, like how do you get engaged for that? Is that something you ask on to a sales call? Just it talking to buyers. In, okay. Yeah, it happens in conversation, and it and it happens organically. Mm-hmm. You know, we've asked uh, for uh, content ideas, and and the other important thing is this is not done uh, as a representative of Mercatus. We do it uh, under the uh, digitalgrocer.com name. Mm -hmm. And it's our way of trying to build a community of of interested people in in grocery retail in in particular. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's always been a vision of ours to to have that uh, agnostic community. We've We've even had competitors. We've interviewed competitors on the show. Just understand, yeah, and and, and yeah. it's and it's not because and they were happy to be on, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and it's not because uh, you know we're trying to find out any from any, anything in particular. It's just we wanted to we wanted to understand their perspective on this industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I had advice for any marketer out there, try and if you can start your own community, mm-hmm. um, and but don't make it a sales pitch. That's when it's not going to be a community at all. It's going to be no. a Facebook group that has <laughs> two members exactly. Exactly. and no engagement. Exactly. Exactly. And it's I see a, that a lot. It's a forum for learning and mm-hmm. information sharing. And they're going to yeah. remember you as that subject matter expert when the time comes. Because exactly. like you mentioned, these buying cycles, eight to 10 months for an enterprise deal, who knows how long they've been scoping you out before that. You need to get yourself to the front of the pack somehow. And exactly. why not fast forward? So- I forget the analogy that I came up with, but it's similar to like, if you need, if you need 10 trust, right? Like at the very end, you need 10 segments of trust. And if they don't know your brand, they come and they, they get their start at number one. And that's like one trust level one trust, right? That's if like you have no brand, no content, nothing, but you need to get to 10. Mm -hmm. So that's where all the other commodity brands are starting. So why not start at eight if they're scoping out these other companies to do work with? Why not start at eight on the trust spectrum when you just need to get the final two steps to get to 10 when you could literally be doing building relationships in your community, through your podcast, having them get to know you, some people from your company, the voice through a podcast, whatever it may be, posting on LinkedIn, all of these start to add up to creep you up that ladder before they Mm -hmm. ever reach out to you. And I don't know why more companies don't do that because the cold call is on one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'd, I'd like to say that the industry is changing and, mm-hmm. and become, especially during the pandemic when everybody had to uh, switch gears and, and, you know, produce webinars, um, even, even that, I mean, the webinars, I noticed at least in, in this vertical became very much um, speaking at in, instead of speaking with. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the content that was being produced. And uh, I think that's another reason why the podcast picked up so quickly is yeah. we, were, we were agnostic. We had views and opinions. We had advice. Um, and, and I think that resonates. People in general understand when you're being genuine and mm-hmm. when you're not. And that's, yes, they can tell. <laughs> it's, important, it's important to have uh, a degree of genuineness to your to your, to your company voice or, or your personal voice. Even with your outreach, it's funny. I mean, oh, yeah. I get, I get cold messages daily, multiple messages on LinkedIn and 
I've been on LinkedIn enough to know it's pretty much a template at this point. Oh, yeah. uh, hey, I came across your profile. I'd love to see if there's like a synergy. Yuck, right? Doesn't that no drive way. you nuts? Doesn't yeah, that drive I already, you nuts? I already know like what you're trying to do here. I can tell by the tone of a message that it is going to be, they want a receiving relationship, not yeah. a, wow, I really enjoyed your content. That was awesome. I'd love to like send a connection yeah. request. Those do happen, but I can smell them a mile away. The messages that are not there for the right intention. And I don't have time. I mean, I really don't. You probably don't. Well, People listening no, to this don't. <laughs> no, nobody wants to uh, to be sold uh, under the wrong circumstances. Yeah. It's don't don't try and deceive me. Mm-hmm. And I and you're right. I think that's really become a, a problem on LinkedIn in in, in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely agree with you there. Um, so, Mark, a question I like to ask all our guests. One of the yeah. so preface here. Uh, we're always looking to help our buyers improve their website, even if they can do it on their own, try some experiments, whatever Mm -hmm. it takes. Right. So I'm curious, uh, what is something that you guys have recently tried in regards to website strategy? Uh, and then did it work or did it not work? I'd love for our listeners to hear this. Yeah, we, um, we recently relaunched our, our website in the fall of 2021. Mm-hmm. From you know, and we went from a traditional uh, architecture to something a little more unique in terms of how information is laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous website was very much product feature function focused, mm-hmm. whereas our new website is very much oriented around what is your business problem to be solved, and we've broken it down by uh, buyer groups within our target vertical, and it was a radical shift from feature function to mm-hmm. more problem to be solved and value to be derived. And we're seeing a much higher level of interaction from mm-hmm. um, target accounts in our space. So if I have one, one piece of advice is take a look at your content, make sure it's not talking nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. but more about what is it in what is the buyer going to get? Mm-hmm. How is it going to help them professionally, personally, uh, and, in, and in terms of the business objectives they want to achieve? Mm-hmm. So with your website, do you guys kind of segment those business problems so that they, they self-identify those? Or how does that work on your website? What does that look like? Yeah, exactly. We break it down between operations persona, marketing, okay. uh, business function, and uh, in a C-level, in a C-suite. Mm, okay. And each one has different motivations for interacting with us. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. And it's, yeah. I, it basically, it's the analogy of like benefits over features. You're obviously going to push the benefits and it sounds like you guys were features to, or feature driven, I guess I should say. Before. In the past, yeah, in the yeah. past we were. And, and uh, you know, in our, in our product team is still very much nuts and bolts driven. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I won't hear about this, Um, but, but we're doing, I think we're working well together to become more value uh, focused. It's not about the output. It's about the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with that. Um, So to close this out, I always like to have a little fun. Obviously you guys have some podcast experience over at Mm -hmm. uh, Mercatus. I'm not sure if you're the host or not, but um, Uh, co-host I've I've been, I've been likened uh, to, uh, uh, Ed McMahon in some, some respects, <laughs> I guess. So with that being said, I would love to hand you the mic, make you the host here, yeah. close us out. Uh, do you have any questions you want to shoot my way? I'd be happy to, to tackle them. 
yeah, I, th I think there's a timely question. Um, given you know the inflationary environment that we're in, uh, you're starting to see some companies pull back on their marketing spend. I think Uber just recently announced a, a cut to their marketing efforts. Uh, what do you what do you anticipate smart SaaS companies are going to do? I mean, do they view? Hopefully, they don't view marketing as a cost center. Um, yeah. What What would your advice be to them uh, as we go through uh, maybe a tight cycle for the next uh, few quarters to a to a year? I would identify two or three levers that you know if you pull that are going to continue building revenue or generating pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, like we mentioned, these companies are bleeding cash. Yeah. They're because it is that just because marketing, like, oh, we have to do this because this is how we've always done it. Or this right. is because we see this company doing it. Identify what is working for you. It could literally be like that dental magazine example I gave. That is a key driver for them that I wouldn't pull back. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's not, it's not really an experiment for them. Identify what those two or three levers are and then buckle down on them and don't get distracted because as marketers, it's so easy to get distracted, put oh, yeah. a ton of money into tech, put a ton of money into like Google ads and just waste your cash and you bleed it out. So with that being said, buckle down, know the direction that you're going to go, have a strong strategy and have the discipline to stick with it uh, yeah. and double down on advice. what's already working. That's good advice. It's so very much, you know, don't continue throwing spaghetti at the wall to see mm -hmm. what sticks, right? It's, That's what a lot of marketers do. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. Awesome. This has been great. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the mic there. Close this out. Good question. Um, well, before we go, I always like to hear what, mm -hmm. what the company does of the guests that's on the show. So give us your elevator pitch. Sure. Um, Mercatus is a, uh, a leading grocery e-commerce provider. Uh, we provide white label experiences for leading grocers across North America so that they can control their, their customer experience and own their brand. Very cool. Well, Mark, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Sam. It's been real fun.